Welcome to our study of patterns found in God's Word. Today we're kicking off the Gospel of Matthew. And this is the pattern that we're going to put the Matthew in. If you've seen our video on the Gospel of Mark, you'll see it's very similar, except that with, with Matthew, it's the longest of the Gospels. He's got four-chapter intro, and then as he approaches the heart, soul, mind, and strength, he gives us four chapters on each. The first three are covering faith, hope, and love, and then he does a wrap. He covers all three in, in the demonstration of uh, at the very last chapter in the section. And then he gives us five chapters on the last week and then the persecution, crucifixion, resurrection. Matthew is focused on your emotions, the heart of a man. Let's get down to it. Matthew chapter 1, the title we give is Omniscient. God is all-knowing. That, those numbers right there is the code that we have for Matthew chapter 1. We will explain at the very end. Verse 17, I believe, is a, is a very key verse to understanding the, lay, uh, the layout of this chapter, and I believe it helps us to understand the book as well. All the generation from Abraham to David, 14. David to the deportation, 14. The deportation uh, to the Messiah, 14. I love threes, and I love patterns, so here we've got it. We break the book down, the chapter, into two groups of three. And the first three was just given to us. So we've got Abraham to David. Now, as you look at this section here of these 14 names that are mentioned, the big ones that are jump out are Tamar and Judah. That was a very embarrassing situation when Judah's daughter-in-law seduces him so that she can have children. Then you've got Rahab and Solomon. Rahab is probably... The, the uh, prostitute that we see in the early parts of the book of Joshua uh, when they took the city of Jericho. And then we see Ruth, who's a Moabitess. Her and Boaz have a child named Edom, who's, who's the father to Jesse, who's the father to King David. It's embarrassing. Why? Because Ruth is a Moabitess. You're not supposed to marry these people. These are enemies of God's people. If the Jews had their way... It's not what they would have put in the genealogy. But God is telling us the truth. God is giving to us the absolute details. This chapter is called Omniscient. God knows absolutely everything. And he doesn't try to hide the, the worst of details. But this is, not, this is really good evidence when you think about it to show that it wasn't a man that wrote the genealogy of Christ. Because they never would have had these three women in here because all three are Gentiles. Next, we have David to the deportation. Now, note here, he doesn't say Bathsheba, though your Bibles will read that. It's, and her of Uriah. Why is God putting that in there? Because he wants you to go back to the idea that David committed adultery with Bathsheba and had Uriah murdered. He's trying to bring out, expose David for his sinfulness. Solomon is not really mentioned, but we do remember 600 wives, 300 concubines. Rehoboam, he chased after the money. He was into materialism. Of the 14 kings that are named in this section right here, seven are really nasty. This is not the exposure the Jews wanted for their Messiah's genealogy. And then the last 14, the deportation until the, uh, until the Messiah, we don't really know who these people are, so we can't really comment. But what we do know is that they were under the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, and the Romans. For this 600-year period, they were uh, in servitude to these nations. 
They had no king over all this periods of time. So if you go back to the beginning, Abraham's pretty good, but you watch the sinful nature start to come in. You see the kings are not worthy of ruling God's people, and you see them in servitude. You know they're in need of a Messiah. You know they're in need of a savior at this time. They need a new kingdom. This is not the life the Jews wanted to be in servitude. Okay, so that's the first part of this chapter. The second part of this chapter, he focuses individually on Joseph alone. You need to remember from the book of Luke, Mary was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. And as soon as that happened, she goes up to Judea to visit Elizabeth. And she's gone for three months. She comes back and she's three months pregnant. And Joseph knows it's not his child. So his thoughts right here is, I've got to divorce the girl. I love her. We're engaged. We're not married yet, but I've got to divorce her. I've got to put her away. It's not what Joseph wanted. He didn't want to marry Mary, who's got another man's child. God knows the way Joseph's thinking, so he sends Gabriel, and he convinces Joseph. Gabriel convinces Joseph to marry Mary because he realizes this is God's child. But still, it's not the exposure Joseph wanted. Because now, wherever he goes, he's got Mary on his arm, and she's pregnant. Everybody's talking. They know it's not Joseph's child. Everybody knows, and Joseph's got to be embarrassed. No, no, this isn't the exposure Joseph wanted. But he still makes the commitment to serve Mary because he knows who the child is. But again, it's not the life Joseph wanted because he wanted to be a family of his own kids. He wanted, but now he's doing something that he doesn't necessarily want to do. And there you have Matthew chapter 1, broken down into six boxes. The three and the one for the genealogies, the three on the other side for the life of Joseph. Now I want to take you back to Genesis chapter 15 real quickly here. Because in Genesis chapter 15, Abraham has made the, gener the genealogy promise that he's going to have gen generations of people coming from him. And he's given the, the land promise. And he's saying, how can I know this is going to take place? Because I'm going to die soon. And I'm childless right now. So God says, get me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Now, I want you to cut the three-year-old heifer, the three-year-old female goat, and the three-year-old ram in half, right down the middle. Put both sides, uh, put them on either side. And then the turtle dove on one side, the young pigeon on the other. Because what you need to see is God's cutting a covenant. This is how they did it, 2000 BC. Because what you did was you cut the animals, and then the two people would walk through. And if I break this covenant, this is what needs to happen to me. Okay? So Abraham and, and uh, God are not equal. So God, when it gets dark, he goes through by himself. To show Abraham this is an absolute solid covenant that you're going to get the, the generations coming from you and you're going to get the land promise. And we see a smoking oven and a flaming torch, which represents God as we saw him in the wilderness wandering. Uh, pillar of fire at night, pillar of cloud by the day, and he's the one that passes between. So that's how you cut a covenant. So let's go back to Matthew chapter 1, where we've got the six boxes, and let's split them. And now let's make Matthew a very personal thing for you and for myself. Right off the bat, we saw that it's not what the Jews wanted, and it's not what Joseph wanted. And sometimes when you become a Christian, it's not what you want, because God wants you to what? To deny yourself. 
I want to be in control. I want to make the decisions. No, no, no. God's saying, sorry. Because if you're going to be a Christian, you need to what? You need to deny yourself. And then secondly, it's not the exposure they wanted, right? They didn't want people to see uh, the skeletons in the closet. Joseph didn't want people to see Mary pregnant and it wasn't his child. And what about you? God expects you to take up your cross. You know, I, 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 you don't go drinking. You don't swear. You, you go to church on Sunday. They're, they're, these are some of the little things. And people are going to ridicule you for those little things. They're going to ridicule you for the big things. But you can't be ashamed of being the Christian that you are. You have to take up your cross. And then finally, it's not the life they wanted. They were in servitude. And that's what you're going to be when you become a Christian. Because God expects you to follow him. So when you look at this chapter in the light of the covenant, you need to see that God is not just speaking about the historical relevance and the things that have happened, but he wants you to look at yourself. And he wants you to think about what these guys had to experience and are you willing to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. Because the point of this chapter is that God is omniscient. He knows everything. And it's not he knows how to create all the solar system. He knows all the science and all the math. The point of this chapter is he knows exactly what you're thinking. And that's something you've got to come to grips with. Because your thoughts are not your own thoughts. These thoughts are not private. They are when it comes to people in this world. But God knows what's deep down inside of your heart. You can't fool him. And when he's omniscient, you've got to learn to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. Back to the code, just, just real quick. All we're doing is using a numerical system to write down this box in your Bibles. You could use Matthew 1, 1, 6, and this, but this is kind of sloppy. If you understand the code, it's book, chapter, and then six verses. That's all it is. Once you understand the book is, is, is Matthew, which is book 40, chapter 1, then you go verse 1, verse 6, and then verse 1, verse 6, 12, 18, 20, 34. And all you got to do is put these 16 numbers at the top of your Bible, and 5 years, 10 years, 15 years down the road, you know how to divide up chapter 1, and then split it down the middle, and then ask yourself, am I really denying myself, taking my cross, and following him? And you make this so personal. Because he's trying to get to what? To our emotions is the part that he's trying to reach on to every one of us. If we can get this code going so people can understand it, hey, we can communicate to people of different languages in different countries all over the world with just a numerical system so that they can themselves discover the, the scriptures on their own. Not having us to explain it. We don't have to interpret it. All we got to do is give them the number system. It really is beautiful. God set the Bible up for this. Are we going to use it? This is the end of Matthew chapter 1. Thank you for watching.